Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I am your host, Karen Curtis. And on this episode, we're going to look at an old case that still has legs because there's an old man sitting on death row in Rayford at Union Correctional Institution. And he's been sitting there for 46 years. His name is Tommy Ziegler. And he has been on the precipice of being put to death multiple times. Can you imagine? They come into your cell. Okay, what'd you want for your last meal? And then, oh, nope, you got to stay so you can live another day. That would be so stressful. But if you killed four people, then you deserve it, right? So Tommy Ziegler, a young church-going veteran and a volunteer football coach, meets a teacher named Eunice in 1966 when they were married. They had a strong nine-year marriage and several rental properties and a successful business, a furniture business, but they never had children. And Tommy Ziegler is sitting on death row and says that not a day goes by that he doesn't think of his bride, Eunice, whom he's accused of killing along with three other people. Ziegler was accused of being a gay man who was allegedly cheating on his wife with another man. Oh, oh, and he had also bought two life insurance policies on his wife, totaling a half million dollars before her death. There's not a day go by that I don't think about her. What we had, what we did, what we could have had, what we could have done. Tommy Ziegler has been on the eve of execution several times, only to have it stayed. In fact, once his death sentence was overturned, only to be reinstated. Now, as of this year, 46 years on death row, his attorneys have finally been given permission to retest DNA. Prosecutors and judges had denied DNA testing at the expense of his lawyers at least five times. Ziegler's recent win came despite efforts by the Attorney General of Florida, Ashley Moody's office, to block him and another death row inmate, Henry Sarecki, from testing crime scene evidence. The Florida Supreme Court, though, and two Orlando judges have rebuffed Moody's efforts. On October 27th of this year, 2020, the circuit judge Patricia L. Stowbridge indicated that she will likely sign an order in December directing the production of physical evidence, including guns, fingernail clippings, and other items from victims and clothes worn by both Ziegler and the murder victims for DNA testing agreed upon by lawyers for Ziegler and the Orange and Osceola County State Attorney Monique Worrell. Judge Stowbridge directed the lawyers to rewrite then and resubmit the proposed order to include procedural safeguards that relate to the chain of custody of the evidence, including information related to the transportation and storage of the evidence and who would be present for the testing. So what happened in this case? There were six different guns used in this quadruple murder case. More than 30 shots fired. No fingerprints were found on the weapon, so they had been wiped down. No gunshot residue or GSR on Ziegler. You never fired a shot? Not to my knowledge, no. Ziegler, Tommy Ziegler, was 29 when four people were murdered in his furniture store in Winter Garden, Florida, on Christmas Eve, 1975. No DNA back then, so that's why it's so important now. Uh, So now, it was December 24th, 1975. Ziegler's Furniture Store in Winter Garden was not open on Christmas Eve. He was just going there to pick up some things, and somebody fired approximately 30 bullets. Eunice, his wife, Virginia Edwards were shot and killed. Perry Edwards and Charlie Mays were beaten to death with a metal carpet crank. Police later found the crank and five guns at the murder scene. 
Well, one gun was taken away, and I'll explain that. According to prosecutors, Ziegler murdered his wife in the kitchen area of the furniture store. His motive was the $500,000 life insurance policies. However, he claims that their marriage was great and that he loved her. Prosecutors also maintain that he killed Eunice's parents. That would be the Edwards, who were also at the store that night. He then killed customer Charlie Mays in an attempt to frame him for the other murders. Charlie was found with store receipts and cash stuffed in his pockets. Then prosecutors say that Ziegler shot himself in the side to make it appear that he was a victim. According to Ziegler, the four victims were already dead when he arrived at the store through the back door and found that the lights weren't working. He claimed that when he walked into the main showroom, he was hit in the back of the head. As he tried to get up, two men came toward him. One was short and stocky, he said, while the other was a very large, burly man. They attacked him and threw him back into the hallway. Since Ziegler carried large amounts of cash at the store, he carried a handgun for protection. He says he used it on one of the assailants. He didn't fire it. He wounded him. He hit him with it. Another assailant turned the gun back on Ziegler and shot him in the side, is what he said. So on the night of the murder, Ziegler stumbled out of the store about 9.25 p.m. Remember, it's Christmas Eve. Minutes earlier, he had called police. He spoke to the police chief to tell him that he had been shot. Almost immediately, police say they found some troubling inconsistencies in Mr. Ziegler's story. First, Eunice was found with one of her hands in her coat pocket and had no evidence of being robbed. This, they say, suggested that she knew her assailant. Next, it was discovered that Ziegler's shirt was stained with type A blood. This is also Perry's blood type. Ziegler's blood type is O. However, his attorneys believe the blood came from an assailant. Finally, investigators located five handguns at the scene. Four had been wiped clean of fingerprints. Two of the guns were inexpensive. Saturday night specials, if you will, made by the company RG. Three of the guns were documented as belonging to Ziegler. The cheaper guns were not registered to him, but were connected to him by another witness. Ziegler, however, claims that he would never buy such low-quality guns. So, was Tommy Ziegler the fifth victim of a Christmas Eve bloodbath at his furniture store, or was he a mass killer? Ziegler claims to this day that he was a victim of an armed robbery, on Christmas Eve, 1975. At 30 years old, Tommy Ziegler was charged for the quadruple murder of his wife, her parents, and another man at the family-owned furniture store. Ziegler was also shot, as I said, and wounded in the abdomen, and prosecutors later theorized that he shot himself in an attempt to make it look like Mays and the two other men, Edward Williams and Felton Thomas, committed the murders while robbing the furniture store. Williams and Thomas eventually testified against Ziegler. So if Ziegler was able to shoot himself in the side or the abdomen, if he shot himself, there would be stippling around the wound and he would have gunshot residue on him because it would have been at close range unless he's got 10 foot long arms. No GSR in his hands is very odd. We'll never know who fired the guns because they were wiped clean of fingerprints. And did he shoot everyone, clean up the crime scene, and then shoot himself? Then his fingerprints would be on the gun that he used on himself. It makes no sense. A few days after the shootings, while he was in the hospital, Ziegler was arrested and charged with the murders. And according to the prosecution, Ziegler's motive for the murders was to collect the money from the two life insurance policies he had taken out on his wife just months before the murders. And they were totaling a half million dollars. Ziegler 
has always said that he was a victim of a bad robbery attempt. He also maintained that Charlie Mays was involved in the robbery. And as recently as 2015, Ziegler said that it was his brother-in-law, Perry Edwards Jr., who planned the murders. And due to publicity, Ziegler's trial was moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and the jury found him guilty and gave him the death penalty for the murders of his wife and Mays. He also was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murders of his wife's parents. Now, Tommy Ziegler was charged for the quadruple murder of his wife, her parents, and another man at their family-owned furniture store. He was tried and convicted on July 2nd, 1976. Ziegler has lived in a single cell facing death longer than any other living inmate in Florida. Now, remember, Ziegler should have been covered in blood if he was indeed shot himself and also if he shot everybody else. And this fact became an issue with one witness who came forward with damning testimony. Ed Williams did have damaging testimony. He said when he got to the store that night to help Tommy, that Tommy actually tried to shoot him. They snapped three times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three times. The, 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 the gun didn't fire. The gun didn't fire, but he had a hammer hit the three times. Then Williams said that Tommy pretended he made a mistake and even tried to hug him and then gave him the firearm. Edward Williams shows up the next morning with a securities industry revolver, which was his principal murder weapon. Tommy's defense attorneys found it odd that the police didn't at least look at Ed Williams as a suspect. And also, they said, if Tommy did hug him, he should have been covered in blood. He claims I hugged him and begged him not to leave. But yet there's no blood on his clothes. So again, Tommy said when he arrived at the furniture store on Christmas Eve, the power was out. It was dark. Then he says he was attacked by two men and was shot in the abdomen. I crawled across somebody, but I couldn't tell who it was. But you knew it was a body. Yes. And then he says he passed out. Ziegler also passed a lengthy lie detector test while on truth serum. It was hours long. He passed every question with flying colors. He didn't lie about one thing. But the prosecution had an answer for that. He's a sociopath. He, he doesn't, in order to fail a lie detector test, you have to have an emotional reaction to lying. You have to feel bad about it. I've cross-examined Mr. Ziegler. Mr. Ziegler can lie to your face without the slightest bit of emotion, the slightest bit of concern, the slightest bit of remorse. I've seen it. And again, remember, there was no gunshot residue on him. There is no GSR, gunshot residue, on me. So explain to me how that I fired 28 gunshots and didn't get any gunshot residue on me. It's impossible. Then there were some witnesses that the defense didn't even know about. Like one, a timeline witness. One witness's testimony didn't make it to trial. John Jellison told officers that he saw a police officer with a gun drawn before shots were fired. As long as you heard the gunshots after, you know, you saw the police cars, then yeah. that wouldn't help us a bit. Jurors never heard from this witness because the state suppressed the evidence. Nonetheless, yeah. you know, you all get together and decide you heard those gunshots before you saw the police car. In that case, we give you a free trip back to Florida. <laughs> so jurors never heard that evidence and the defense didn't even know about it until after the trial when they filed a Freedom of Information Act. So after the trial, which was speedy, the jury was split. And then one juror, Irma Brickle, was the one holdout juror 
after they continued to deliberate. I was pressured in it. I didn't just feel it. I was pressured into it. I got sort of sick, and they called the doctor, and he just sent some tablets, and they turned out to be Valium. They fix you where you do not make a decision that you would normally make. Irma Brickle says that another juror used one of the firearms and evidence to click it behind her to intimidate her. She since passed away, but she went to her grave regretting that she was forced to cave. She says she was bullied into the guilty plea. I feel he's innocent. She thought he was innocent. In the justice system, once the decision is made, it's like it's set in concrete. And in Tommy's case, judgment came swiftly. I I just couldn't believe that they were thinking that I killed somebody. Seven months later, Ziegler was on the newly reinstated death row in Rayford. It was a railroad job. Florida is the first state to reintroduce the death penalty in 1976 after Furman v. Georgia struck down all existing death penalty laws. In 1972, the Supreme Court declared that under then-existing laws, quote, the imposition and carrying out of the death penalty constitutes cruel and unusual punishment in violation of the 8th and 14th Amendments, end quote. State Attorney Jeff Ashton continued to fight to keep Ziegler on death row. You are convinced without a shadow of a doubt this man is guilty? There's there's no other explanation for the evidence. Meanwhile, Tommy's defense attorney is convinced he's innocent. I believe he is, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, he was railroaded by unethical conduct, deceit, and manipulation. And then there's the judge, Maurice Paul, who was assigned to the case. Tommy knew him well because just months prior to his arrest, they testified on opposite sides of an unrelated liquor license case. I think Judge Paul was definitely biased and prejudiced against me because we had been on opposite sides of a case just five or six months prior to to my trial. And uh, a lieutenant with the beverage department that was a friend of his was fired because of my testimony. So, you have circumstantial evidence, no gunshot residue, a past polygraph, a potentially biased judge, a juror who was coerced and drugged into her decision and who thought Tommy was innocent until the day she died. Oh, the life insurance policies, that cast a shadow of doubt over Tommy. And before Tommy's quadruple murder trial, his defense attorneys asked the judge to recuse himself. He refused. He knew very well that he had testified as a character witness opposite Tommy Ziegler three months before this happened. Mm -hmm. It was on him to do his duty and step down. Seems like the judge's potential conflict of interest would have been enough to overturn the death row sentence or at least get a new trial. Tommy's lawyers had asked Judge Paul for more time to prepare for the case, and the judge said no. He demanded a speedy trial. Still, the prosecutor says the judge did nothing wrong. And there's no aspect of the trial that uh, anybody has really come up with and said, hey, this is where the judge um, did something unfair. And get this, the arresting homicide detective denied that he had interviewed a witness named Robert Foster, who had a long rap sheet. And apparently Robert Foster knew Charlie Mays. And Robert Foster had apparently tried to rob a gas station near the furniture store the night of the quadruple murder. 
We knew Robert Foster, yes. But when you're told by the chief detective that uh, the man is, is a topographical error, what do you do? Do you believe him? Or do you waste time when you're pressed for time to keep fighting and try to, try to find him? So Robert Foster was forgotten until 2011 when a private investigator got involved. So let me get this straight. This guy goes and does a, an attempted robbery of a gas station, apparently not wearing a mask, not um, hiding his, his uh, appearance in any way. He then um, goes across the street and murders four people for who knows what reason, and then sticks around afterwards to be viewed in the crowd. But this is just sort of the, the lunacy of these continued um, defense tactics. They come up with these bizarre stories and expect us to just leave our credibility out the window. Occam's razor. The idea that in trying to understand something, getting unnecessary information out of the way is the fastest way to the truth or to the best explanation. But what if it is true? An appeals judge said Foster's testimony would not have made a difference in the trial. Now it's up to the Florida Supreme Court to rule on that issue. And Ziegler's defense team keeps asking the court for permission to test DNA at the scene, but the court kept ruling that the DNA testing wouldn't identify who committed the killings. We gave them his due process. Um, we fully fleshed out the record. And the court found that, in fact, as the Supreme Court had said more than a decade before, these DNA test results just don't tell us anything definitive one way or the other. So convicted quadruple killer Ziegler is now an elderly man with health problems on death row for 46 years. And now thanks to a recent decision in an Orlando courtroom, the DNA can be tested with new, more sophisticated techniques like touch DNA. Ziegler believes that testing the guns, victim fingernail clippings, and clothes he and the victims wore will prove him innocent in the 1975 quadruple murder. He will die on death row one way or the other, um, whether that's of natural causes or by the hands of the state, you know, I don't know. Is there any other way that I can prove my innocence? Please tell me something else and I'll do it. Ziegler and his supporters are cautiously optimistic and aware that it's not a done deal. Almost two dozen inmates sent to death row in the 1970s and 80s have been denied DNA testing despite a law passed in 2001 to help facilitate such testing. Nine others, including Ziegler, were prevented from performing more tests or advanced analysis. To me, if you have a guy on death row, you want to do everything you possibly can to make sure that he's the guy that committed the murder or murders in this case. So why not test it? His attorneys are going to pay for it. What's the big deal? Ziegler's speedy trial in 1975 lasted nearly four weeks, and in the end, the jury convicted him on all charges. He's lost eight appeals and remains on Florida's death row awaiting execution. He was originally scheduled to be executed on October 22, 1982. However, the U.S. District Court in Jacksonville stayed that execution due to new evidence. He was then scheduled to be executed May 20, 1986. That execution was stayed by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal due to inadequate representation. In April 1988, his death sentence was overturned. He was later resentenced and given the death penalty again. Now he's waiting for DNA testing which the judge will probably sign off on this month in December. So I'll keep you posted on this case. Yeah, this is a troubling case. 
Remember, I do have some Full Rigger swag at my Etsy store, Brimley Boutique. I've got Full Rigger mugs, Full Rigger mouse pads, and also a Full Rigger tote if you're interested. It makes a nice Christmas gift. Again, that's at my Etsy store, Brimley Boutique. Well, that wraps up this episode of Full Rigger. Thanks for listening. Until next time.